Hello, everyone. Welcome to Measuring the Score podcast, the podcast where we offer our opinions on film scores and the films they're inspired by. I'm Chris. And I'm Leslie. Let's get started. Welcome to Measuring the Score, our bonus episode of Measuring the Score. It's a little different since it's October, it's Halloween time, and you know the spooky season's here. How do, how do you feel about it, Leslie? I like the fall, the mist and all. <laughs> Wait, that's a poem. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I like the fall time. <laughs> you like the fall time, but you're not too big into the Halloween season, right? No, I love Halloween season. As a matter of fact, I dress right. up every year to pass out candy. That is true. That is true. We yeah, yes, we do that. We do do that. I cannot talk this evening. This is going to be bad. This is going to yeah, be a bad Yeah, do you remember episode. the year I dressed up as a stewardess and you dressed up as a sick uh, a, a sick, sick passenger? passenger. Yeah. I had a barf bag and everything. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're going to since this is a bonus episode, uh we've got a really big episode planned. Halloween 1978 versus Halloween 2018. Oh, man, that's going to be huge. That's a lot. That's a lot of score. It's a lot of score. And, you know, uh, I, I like the fact we're covering it because they're about to release the new Halloween movie. At the time of this recording, because we're recording in September, um, the new film Halloween Kills is coming on October 15th. And it was just announced today that it's going to be released on Peacock as well in the theater. That's amazing. What's also cool about today as well is John Carpenter just released a new track from Halloween Kills called Rampage. I listened to it and I was not very impressed. Neither was I. I'm sorry. It was so... It, it was really repetitive. It was. It was so repetitive. But since we've got so much score and we've got a lot of film, I think we're going to need some help. I think so too. You know what? Wait, I see some people right over there. Oh, it's uh, Sean and Sam from Cheap Seat Reviews. Hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> Yay! Thank you, studio audience. I appreciate that. I did not know we had a studio audience here. That's amazing. And it's closed caption. <laughs> Recorded in front of a live studio live audience. Live studio yeah. audience. Yeah. Don't forget to end the show with, you know, be sure to spay and neuter your, your, uh, your, your pets. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on, man. This is, this is just great. Seriously. Um, I'm glad you guys wanted to do this with us. So, Real quick, uh, tell us about your podcast and where everybody can find you and stuff. Sam, <laughs> and I, hey, you are the you are the head guy here. I'm only here to I'm only here to spoil it and uh, and to try to wreck it. So I'm going to let you try to to promote us here. Okay, I just wanted to throw you under the bus and see if you knew any of our social media stuff. <laughs> I really don't. I have no idea. We are two thirds of cheap seat reviews. Um, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Uh, you can find us on the Twitter and all the other places. Uh, link, what, linktr.ee slash cheap suit reviews is our Linktree account. Just go there. It's got our links to all our stuff, including our new merch, which we're very excited for. We have merch. Um, as we back, because I've never even heard of a tree, a, a <laughs> Linktree. So. What type of tree, Christmas I'm glad tree? you said that. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're arborists. Record as we record this. Uh, I guess by the time people will hear this, you will have missed the September sale, but there will be an October sale coming soon. 
uh, not knowing exactly when this will release, but an October uh, sale is coming soon. So there you go. Yeah, uh, the merch. Use merch. Yeah. We can get some merch, Chris. Yep. Yeah, get some merch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Chris and Leslie joined us uh, a little while back for uh, Ready Player One. Yep. And that was, uh, that was a good time because uh, they had some really strong opinions about how good they think that movie is. Unfortunately, we had to tell them <laughs> wrong. <laughs> but so everybody, okay. go listen to all of their episodes. Well, actually, just go listen to Ready Player One. That's the only one you need to listen to. Just because yeah, we're... Yeah. <laughs> I would never suggest that. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, there there is there is a lot of great episodes these guys have. One of my favorite episodes is uh the Godzilla versus Kong episode. That was that was the first one I listened to and I fell in love with you guys ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Someone listened. So yeah, yeah. oh, I'm, 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 there's I'm, people out there. I can't believe it. Chris is your <laughs> number one fan. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys ready to get started yeah. with this? Let's do it. Let's let's talk about this. All right. So first thing we're going to talk about first. First thing we're going to talk about first. Wow, I cannot. Yeah, I'm a professional podcaster, people. Uh, So redundancy office. Yeah, he's so professional. He was talking in a microphone and he was wondering why it wasn't making noise. And then I'm like, dear, did you turn on your microphone? He goes, oh, (laughs) click. I'm like, I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. So the you first, did hit the record button. I right? did. I, mean, I see the little okay, red good, light good, on. Good. We're good. Those red lights. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing I do like about this thing. It's very, you know, it lets you know when you're recording or not. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about the score yep. to Halloween 1978 first. Now, I was introduced introduced to this film. Man, it was, I want to say it's 94, 95. I bought the blockbuster release version of this movie. On VHS, what is, what's the difference? I, I really, I don't think there right. Was, I don't think there was yeah. much of a difference. But I remember, it just came in a blue and yellow box or something. No, right? no, no, no. This was red. Oh, <laughs> it was red and Fancy. black. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I, the one thing that I'm sure that everybody first time ever seeing Halloween is the score. That's the first thing they notice. I mean, I, I to me, definitely. I don't know about you guys. I, I actually talk, I was talking to one of my uh, colleagues today and I was telling him about the podcast and what we were talking about tonight. And literally the first thing out of his, his mouth was, was humming the, the theme. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's incredibly iconic. Definitely. It's, a, you know, the, uh, go ahead, Sean. I was just going to say my eight year old knows it. Wow. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> How does he know it? Well, because again, we, so we, we in our house, we we like Halloween, but we do you know we do fun Halloween. We do, we watch, you know, kids scary movies like oh, okay. uh, the Monster House and okay. Nightmare Before Christmas and things like that. And so, but my wife every year makes a like a Halloween playlist, and this is one of the tracks that's on it. So he he knows the Halloween theme. Uh, okay, so it's not like you saw the movie. Gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe the TBS made for TV version. <laughs> oh, I oh, yeah. So you know the amazing thing about that is that when Carpenter started writing the score, he he went into it um, thinking that the movie was not going to be that great. He was under the really? impression that it was going to be a uh, straight B-rated film, 
And so uh, when he started to write to music, he had very low uh, expectations about the release of the film. Well, I, also when he released, he showed the the film to some executives. I think it was at Fox, and also the executive producer of the film. Um, he showed it to them, and they were like, "This movie's not scary." He actually, he even got <laughs> laughed at. He was like, "This is not scary. There's nothing scary about this movie." But there was no music to it, and it wasn't until mm. when he added the score that's when the film became so scary to everyone. Because the, the music really did drive it home that, hey, this, can, this guy means business. He's going to kill you no matter what just because he can. So, Well, and, and I mean, even the music itself is so, it's repetitive in, in the original. And it, it comes in exactly when you're supposed to start getting scared. So he, it's kind of like Pavlov's Dogs, right? Where you hear the music and, and you expect something scary or something crazy to happen in the next few few minutes right and it to me it's very reminiscent of how uh williams did jaws so jaws the the premise of jaws you know he used only a few notes and those few notes invoked fear you didn't quite see the shark in the movie but when you started hearing that cue you knew that something was going to you know go on and carpenter was very similar in that fashion he only used a few notes uh which Chris can play on the keep. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he only used a few notes uh, in the score, but those few notes, when it starts up, then you know, okay, you know, Michael might be present. Uh, he might be ready to kill. You know, it, it, you're right. It does condition you um, for that fear factor. Absolutely. It's tribal in a way, uh, but right. you know, and I had never seen until, until you guys had us, do the, do these movies. I'd never seen Halloween, but I knew the the music of it. And for some reason, I thought it was more piano than, uh, than a, uh, almost like a synth type of, of sound. I know I've, you're forgetting it's the late seventies, um, that, that he did it, but I had no idea Carpenter did it himself. Yep. And, uh, that's a pretty impressive. It's, it's just one of those, it's almost like a passion project, right? So he's doing the movie, he's directing, he's, he's writing the music for it. And, uh, to me, that's always impressive when, when a multi-talented guy can do stuff like that. It really is. It is really, really impressive. And that was the one thing he, he talked about. It was just him doing the score all by himself. And yeah. with the limitations he had, the score came out fantastic. It, it really did. But, mm-hmm. but it, like you said, it does repeat itself a lot. And it does get mm-hmm. a little repetitive once in a while until the one track, The Shape Stalks, comes in. And it's just these two notes, you know, dun, dun, dun. And that's when that's when the score that's when the score does get darker though. Yeah, it sounds like a heartbeat mm-hmm. almost. It, it does, it, it does, like and then it just ramps up, you know, faster and faster. You know, it just keeps rising to the to the the tension and the and the horror what's of what's happening. And when it came to that, tra- I knew that track was coming because the Halloween theme and the Shape Stalks is one of the first things I ever learned how to play. So, and that was that was actually my first job. It was a Halloween fan film. They were gonna. I've talked about this several times. They were, to go, they were going to use the score to the original Halloween until they heard my stuff, and they were like, hey, let's go with this guy. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure if that was a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but yeah. So was it, was it original, or was it like, did you, were you um, covering it, or how did that work? I just covered it. I just learned, just I, it. Yeah. I just learned the notes myself and just played it out and just went from there. It wasn't oh, until cool. later I discovered the wonders of uh, MIDI, and just found a MIDI file and just tracked it that way. It's like copy paste. <laughs> yep, pretty much. But for yep. music. 
<laughs> so the main theme actually took only him an hour to compose. So it took him an hour to compose the main theme, and then the rest of the score was composed only in a few weeks' time. It didn't take long at all, less than a month. Wow. So it, you wonder, um, you wonder if he knew it. Like when you play something and it's it's good, you know. Sometimes you're like, yeah, yeah, that this is this is really good. I wonder if he had that moment of realization that this is going to fit this movie and and this and this whole. I mean, it wasn't even a uh, oh, what do you call it when there's a bunch of movies in one one storyline or one one world. Um, like a franchise. A franchise. Yeah, he had no idea at the time, but it, again, it's it's just. You know, Jaws and Williams's music fits that so well. You just wonder, you know, the the moment that they realize, hey, this is it. This is what we need to do. And you know, and the other thing that he utilized that was very unique about the score was a five four beat. So, you know, for all my music friends out there, you know, four four uh, score is common time. Four beats in a measure. Well, he used five beats in a measure, and he learned that, uh, from my understanding, from his father. And so when he started to work on the theme for the music, he started out on bongos and then he transferred it to the keyboard. <laughs> bongos? I didn't, I didn't yes. know about the bongos. I knew, I knew he did the five, four time as a tribute to his dad, but I didn't know about the bongos. Yeah, I, I have it in my notes, which was transferred from a bongo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, wow. Hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> to each their He's own. So what other famous piece of music is five, four? I don't know. Not like head. movie we music? We didn't do yeah, that movie. research. We didn't do that research. <laughs> it's impossible. It's 5 4. Wow. Is it? Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, cool. I played that before in school. It is 5 4. Wow. Yeah. Well, do you think that the, the 5 4 time, since it's not a regular, uh, you know, a regular beat, gives it an extra, extra kind of otherworldliness that, that lends itself to the. Uh, I this think it's supposed killer to be comfortable. Yeah, because it's because it's off. Yeah, you know, yeah. It doesn't have yeah. normal rhythm. It's supposed to make you a little. little I off. I agree. Like anything in cut time, for example, that makes you want to get up, run, march, do whatever. You know, a lot of marches are done mm-hmm. in cut time, which is two four time. But then uh, this one here, yeah, it's five four. So uh, it is uncomfortable because it doesn't follow that beat. And then when he starts adding those notes that sound like a primal heartbeat, or you know that, uh, yeah. Chris's beautiful singing voice. But when you start adding that stuff, it does. It makes you uncomfortable. Season two, everybody, we will have music clips, okay? No more humming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm going to be the guy that poo-poos here for a little bit because Uh Uh I saw Halloween 1 and 2 in college back-to-back. I watched them completely back-to-back. Like, we... in credits rolled on one, put in the disc for two. Right. And two really picks up seconds after one ends. I mean, I when I watched them, I thought that they were made as one movie. Yeah. Like like a lot of, you know, like Lord of the Rings or whatever. I thought it was one movie. And they feel like one movie. It feels like it should just be one movie. And so in the moment in, in college, I was really into it. This time watching it for this for this viewing. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was a little, I was a little bored. Yeah. Yeah. Because it feels like the second half of the movie needs to be a part of this movie 
and that they need to get rid of 45 minutes of Jamie Lee Curtis being a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get booed at this, and probably your your listeners are going to like, we're not listening to cheap seat reviews. That's insane. Yeah. We've, we've compared it to Jaws a couple times, which I know it's a little unfair to compare John Carpenter, the composer, to John Williams, the composer, because that's those are two different, in my opinion, stratospheres, let alone. Yes, definitely. But yeah. I, I understand the, the, the comparison that what Jaws is trying to do versus what this is trying to do. They're trying to build the tension with a little, uh, which I think is great. I always like the idea of less is more, especially when it comes to horror. The one thing that I would have liked specifically is if you're going to have the theme, let's have a couple little bit of different variations on the theme. Yeah, I totally mm-hmm. agree. Definitely. Yeah. You know, because it's every time <laughs> near the camera, not on camera, near the camera, we hear the piano cue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, yep. Okay. Well, okay. We know he's going to do something yeah. bad because the music is yeah. telling. Yeah. Just get, you know, kind of, kind of put it in a motif of, you know, some smooth jazz to when they start making out or yeah. something. And, you know, <laughs> get a get a good saxophone soloist on there doing it. But you while know, the, it, the it, couch scene. You know, <laughs> it reminded me so much of the Beverly Hills Cop episode that we did uh, because yes. they, you know, Faltermeyer used that theme over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. There were no variations. You know, when you saw him running, you heard the theme. When you saw him doing some goofy <laughs> antics, you heard the theme. Making breakfast and you're playing that, that yeah. theme. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. And this was very reminiscent of that. I agree with you, Sean. I, I think, though, you know, cinema has come a long way since this was filmed back in, you know, the late 70s. Um, I think at the time... Uh, yeah, it would have scared the pants off my parents. I know that for certain. Because, you know, they were... Jaws, for example. Mom said that when Jaws came out, they didn't go in the water. She was afraid to go in the water. <laughs> Phantasm, you know, that scared them. Now you watch Phantasm, you're like, oh, that's so funny. Ha <laughs> ha! You know, it looks kind of corny. Um, but, you know, in that context, I think it would have it was more scarier then than it is now, in my opinion. So Yeah, um, I mean, are we desensitized? Is that the big question? Are we... I think that's you know. what it is. And plus, nowadays, you, you're, you know, into the film's already been remade, and then they make a sequel to the original and everything else, and it's just, we, we've seen it over and over and over again. So the first time mm-hmm. I saw it, I, I thought it was, you know, very scary. I, I loved it and everything. Now, I'm, I'm right there with Sean, and I am a huge fan of this franchise. I love the Halloween films, including Halloween 3, which is... Nothing to do with Michael Myers. They were trying to go off in a completely different direction. They were trying to say, all right, so we're going to have new stories, but it's going to take place in the Halloween season, not Michael Myers. And all the fans got mad about that. So, but I I, I, I even enjoyed it. I mean, because it, it was, even though it had nothing to do with Michael Myers, it was still a fun movie. It just shouldn't have been called Halloween 3. That being said, with this original film, I two also got bored with it. There were a lot of moments where it's just like, <laughs> come on, guys, let's just get this over with. It's like, would you hurry up and kill him already? You know? <laughs> and, yeah. And, and the same the with the score. And I'm a huge fan of the score. And it was just like, it was the same thing over and over and over until you got to this shape stalk, the shape stalks theme. When it got to that, that's when it was like, it changed up a little bit. So, well, and the movie also, also pumped up in terms of, of what was going on on screen. Um, in terms of, of uh, people getting killed and right. things happening. Um, you know, there was no longer 
Jamie Lee Curtis talking on the phone to her little friend, you know, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. I swear she said that about eight times <laughs> while the kid's looking out the window um, in the background. But, I, you know, you start to wonder if, if, it's, if it's a sign of the times, you know, where the, the, the 70s and, and 80s had these long movies that took their time to tell the story. And, and you wonder if we just don't have the patience nowadays um, to, to really kind of live in a movie world like, like we used to. With even Jaws, if you go back and watch Jaws, it, it drags in a lot of spots. And it drags a in a dialogue, lot of places. Yes, and there's yeah. a lot of dialogue between, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Jaws and uh, this movie. It's just a lot of dialogue in the older movies. And uh, I even noticed that there were parts of the movie you didn't hear the score at all. There was absence of score. There was absence of sound. Mm -hmm. You could hear the dialogue. Very reminiscent of an older movie. Uh, I don't mean older, you know, maybe 50s, 40s, those those old school movies. And it mm -hmm. reminded me of that. But then, of course, they would bring in that theme uh, that everybody knows. And I think it, it, as I said, reminds me of Beverly Hills Cop. I think that we uh, recognize that motif is because they played it over and over again. So, you know, by the end of the movie, <laughs> you have it. Memorized. It's drilled in there. It's drilled in there. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually curious. I want to uh, hop uh, back just a moment. When you, you've referenced this a couple of times now, Chris, the, the shape stalks. Yes. Uh, the phrase, the shape, I know I'm, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit because that, that word is never used in this movie. No. But they use that, that name in the, the next Halloween movie that we're going to talk about tonight. Yes. And I think that that's interesting that they put the name of that, that they gave that title in this movie, and then they mm -hmm. mentioned in the next movie, which I didn't know was an homage to itself, but now that I do, I actually kind of like it more. Right. Well, that the, like, Carpenter, the al they always called him the shape, because that's, that's what he is. It's the shape is what's iconic of... Michael, they don't, you know, when you're talking about Michael Myers, you, you think of that shape. So that's why they always call him the shape. And when I found that out, I was like, well, that's okay. That, that kind of makes sense. Kind of shadowy figure, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. That's, I always like that. And because, and I started researching because of the shape stalks um, track cue. And I was like, okay, this is very interesting. So for. Well, but the shape stalks cue. I mean, this movie literally only has three musical cues. Right. I mean, it's just three. It's, it's the it's the Michael theme, and then you have the shape stalks theme, and then there's the other one that's just like tension building theme. Well, and then you have a Lori's theme. Now, Lori does have a yeah. theme, and Lori's yeah, theme is a merging of the two. So she's got her own theme, and it's kind of merged with Michael Myers' theme uh, because it's supposed to be reminiscent of their entwined fate. So if you listen to Laurie's theme, it kind of puts you in mind of that iconic theme, but it's different in itself. Can I, I, I don't want to step on the, the, the toes of the, <laughs> of the script here, because uh, I know we're talking mostly about the score, not the movie, but can you answer the question why he targets her? Because I don't know why. Well, see, that was the thing. All right. So when, when we, We'll we'll get to that in just a minute. All right, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm with you there too because I I'm still confused as to why she, especially after watching the the, the newer movie, right? Um, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, so yeah. All right. So we we talked about the score and we pretty much talked about the film. I mean, it it pretty much it, it's you know it opens with Michael's sister being killed, which you know very revealing. And you know, then it fast yeah. forwards to Michael's been in an institution for this entire time and everything else, and then he goes on a rampage. Hey, real, I want to say this real quick. That opening scene, I love that opening scene. I I think it's one of the scariest opening scenes to a film I've ever seen for for two reasons. One, because we get that first person shot camera, yeah. and I know through the eye holes. It's through the eye holes, and I forgive them for the fact that the camera operator is six feet tall and the kid's four <laughs> feet tall. I know that this time, but I'm like, ah, eh, whatever, it's fine. They did, they obviously couldn't find Warwick Davis to come and operate a camera. <laughs> um, but I love the scene, and I love, and I, I like how they even sh- they show the stabbing part where they don't really show it, and then like he, he kind of looks it away, and then the camera looks back, and she's all dead and naked on the floor. Right. And when, when he goes outside and then the parents take the mask off, he's just like, he has no emotion about what he did. Like his right, face yeah. is completely stoic. And it's like, that's the scary part is that he has yeah. no emotion. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. I just, I, by the way, I had no idea when I, cause I, this is the first time I ever seen this movie. Yeah. And, and when it, when they showed him as a kid, I was like, wait, what the, what in the world yep. is this? So that was a, a genuine surprise and a shock for me uh, going into this movie because I had no idea that's that's how this whole thing started. So, so, so very cool. So since this is your first time ever watching it, Sam, what did you think of the character Doctor Loomis? That now this is his doctor. We get introduced to him, you know, riding up in the car with the nurse, and then mm-hmm. he, he's giving all this dialogue, you know, saying he just, you know, when I met him, it was a blank, pale, emotionless face. You know, what <laughs> what, what, what did you think of that character? Well, you know, the funny thing is my first degree is in psychology and wow. I, I'm obviously did not go on to be a counselor or, you know, a, psychi- a psychiatrist or, uh, you know, a count- I didn't go that far, I, but I thought that character was, I hate to say a bit cartoony, um, <laughs> only theatrical. because those types of people don't really exist in terms of, <laughs> uh, of what you're supposed to be doing is somebody trying to keep the general public safe from serial killers and crazy people. So yeah, I mean, it didn't take me out of the movie, but at the same time, I I rolled my eyes at a few things that, uh, that he did and said or didn't say and didn't do. Right, right, right. (laughs) So, and the whole sneaking around the house, right. Oh yeah. It's just like, it's like, dude, you're going to get, you're going to get shot by somebody, you know, it's, it's some sort of peeping Tom. It's, or it's or just, he's going to shoot so somebody because remember, he's got a gun. Oh yeah. He's yeah. Gun. Right. Which psychologist has a gun? Oh my gosh. At least, at least, in, well, I don't, I don't know if we're talking about the newer movie yet, but at least they start locking down the neighborhood in the new movie. Right. So. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to the new one in just a minute. So uh, there's yeah. one more thing yeah. I want to add because it's going to be different for the new movie is that in this one, there is no score when he's actually doing the physical killing. So when you watch the movie and even at that first scene that Sean said that he really liked, you've got this music that kind of builds up. And then when he starts to stab, nothing. There's no music. Nothing. I, isn't that great though? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's wonderful because it's just it's totally against the type and totally against what you expect. And it makes it that much more real and, and guttural. That's it's right. just, I, I love that director, that's directorial like, choice. Her screaming. It's really effective. Right. Yes. It was so creepy. 
It, it was so right? so creepy. I loved it. <laughs> yep. Of course he does. Yep, I do too. I you totally like agree. Well, and and that was another thing. Now that Carpenter would add in, you know, the sting for like a couple of things. Like, well, I mean, we're crying out loud. He killed a dog in one scene, and, oh, and that yeah. that blew me away. I was like, oh no, he killed the dog. No, not the dog, man. Come on now. <laughs> The first time I ever saw that, I was like, no. And, and it was the way it was done. It was like you you didn't see it up close and personal, but you know that's what he did because the dogs oh, yeah. just kind of go limp and everything else. I was like, dude, this dude's messed up. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, we have a yeah. dog ever. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm not saying just... dog deserves to die. I'm just saying he was bad at his job. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, but I'm still so very confused as as to what exactly Michael Myers is in terms of a, he's a, he's obviously a, a, a mental patient, but does he have some sort of demonic presence in him or something? Now, see that is that, that I, that's I'm gonna get to that in just a minute. <laughs> gotta, okay, okay, you okay, gotta bear okay. with me about like, that one because, like I, I said, I'm a quite... I'm a big fan of this franchise, so I know the entire yeah. timeline. So and it, the branching timelines too. All right, so. You know, the film keeps going and it builds and builds and builds to this climactic moment where Lori is being chased by Michael. And that's when you get this iconic shot of her running from one house to the other, screaming her head mm-hmm. off, even running to the neighbor's house, which this part made no sense back in the times. I'm, I'm sorry. It was 1978. Somebody would have opened their doors, not turn the light off. All of a sudden, girls freaking out on the porch and then cut the light back off. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that. That one I'm going, wait a minute, no, that wouldn't happen in 1978. They would open the door, oh, honey, what's wrong, and everything else. Have a piece of cake. Yeah, here, have a piece of cake while we wait for the police. I just baked it tonight. <laughs> I just baked it tonight. Pretty sure there was pot in there if it was in the 70s. I don't know. I was just... If it would have been a town, you know, in the South, then everyone runs out with a shotgun. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Look, we live in the South. I can attest to that. What's that noise? And he grabbed a shot. Yeah. Yep. I've yeah, seen it yep. No, that's exactly right. Yep. I've yeah. seen it that's happen. That's why this kind of movie doesn't work in the South. You know, <laughs> the girl got three of thirty-eight dudes show up with you know trucks. Uh, yeah, trucks. <laughs> There's something funny about this. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that in just a minute when I start talking about the timeline. Trucks and guns. All right, so we pretty much went over the whole film. I mean, going over it and everything else. Yep. It, now we, we talked about it. There, there are a lot of dragging moments with the score and the film itself. There, but overall, the film is, you know, entertaining. It is, you know, very scary, very suspenseful. Now, here on measuring the score, what we always do, we have three criterias. We have does it work for the film? Uh, since you guys are our guests, how about you guys go first? Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> I think so. I, I think I think you can't have you can't have Halloween without the music, and you, you, you and you can't you can't do the music without the movie and the movie without the music. I just I think it fit. It's one of those perfect storms that just fit fit perfect together. Yeah, I I agree. We've 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 referenced um, the the Axel Foley theme from Beverly Hills Cop. You know, it mm-hmm. it is a it is a singular theme, but it's it's in the top 10 of singular themes that everyone knows. You know, mm-hmm. there's star Wars, there's uh, you know, Jurassic park and there's Halloween, you right. know, like, like I couldn't tell you the theme from Friday the 13th or <laughs> nightmare. I think it's just breathing. And then it, it, which one's that? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I don't know any of that music. If it's playing right now, I wouldn't know it. But if this music starts playing, like everyone knows it. Like I said, I, I joke. My eight-year-old knows this music, not for the movie, but he knows what it is. So, <laughs> I, I it it one hundred percent fits the movie. The movie does not work without the the theme. Would I would like to have had a little bit of variety? Sure, but you know. But here, but here's the thing with that. I think because it was so rep- repetitive. That when we finally got to the the shape stalker or whatever it's called, I think it it was that much more impactful. That 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 was a change. That was something that was your brain subconsciously says, "Wait a second, this is this is wrong. This is you know something's going down." Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Sam. Sam hit you know Sam hit it right there. It's like that's exactly how I felt. I mean, it was. The score was fantastic. It was iconic. It was it was memorable. And then when it got to that, you know, new theme, you're like, whoa, something's different. This is this is a lot darker. This is a lot, you know, the, something's mm-hmm. like you just said, something's going down. Leslie, what did you you know? Well, you know, I, I think that it worked for um, the time. So you you got to think about the films that come out prior to that, and then think about this. Yeah, it was extremely scary. You know, horror um, hadn't. I wouldn't say fully hit his heyday yet, you know, that, that we know that, that gruesome, scary horror. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. that it, it worked for the film and that on the basis that they use that primal fear, trying to build upon that primal sound and that primal fear of, you know, their, the heartbeat, those, those basic notes. And I also think that uh, when he tried to merge uh, Michael Myers' theme with Laurie's theme, it was really intelligently done to show that their fates are going to be ultimately intertwined. And, uh, you know, as we're going to talk about in the next movie, that they, it continues. Their fates are intertwined. So mm-hmm. I think there is some intelligence to, uh, you know, what he did as well. It's not just throwing the notes out there to make sense of them. There, there is some form and fashion, even though it is repetitive. All right. Uh, real quick, what are your favorite score, your favorite scene from the film? I'm, I'm going to make Sean go first this time around. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite scene uh uh thematic like in the movie or, with, or with, just just with the score in general basically um maybe one of the 500 scenes that had the theme i'll jump in front of sean here um <laughs> i i enjoyed it when it was it was just a a landscape shot with kids out trick or treating. Oh yeah, that was. Amazing. And it was it was kind of like the innocence of Halloween, but you've got this really creepy, scary music going on that 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 added so much atmosphere to uh, to it. I, I I enjoyed those. I enjoyed seeing you know happy go lucky people thinking that they were all going to die. So and that sounds really <laughs> bad. I I understand that. <laughs> but uh but no i just i i think it did well with with adding atmosphere um to those establishing shots a lot of establishing shots i guess you could say there are there is actually a lot of uh establishing shots in this movie um sorry i just realized <laughs> that i took um i took notes for this movie i just i just realized <laughs> i took notes when i was watching this and so i'm, I'm going over some of my notes um, and I'm trying to think specifically, uh, so basically what you're asking, which is my favorite scene. Cause again, like you said, the, all, the theme is pretty much in all of the good scenes. Right. Right. So basically what, what is your favorite scene? 
I honestly, I, I really enjoyed my favorite scene, honestly, is the opening, which I know has no music, which right. is kind of mm-hmm. fair well, to it, a it does have some school. music in there. So, I mean, yeah. Once once the killing is done and the title card comes on, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah, there, there's start, like, very, right? yeah, there's a little bit of music. Right? Yeah. There's a little bit of music at the beginning and then definitely when he puts the mask on and then there's like no music for mm-hmm. when he's killing the sister. And then when he's going back downstairs, the music comes back and then the title card mm-hmm. and then you get the iconic theme and the pumpkin the theme yeah right i mean that my favorite scene on is that is that intro scene but i i i do like um i'm trying to think my i honestly this is sounds gross but my favorite death in the movie is the, <laughs> the dude just got some right and then right. he goes down here's like to check the noise whatever and then uh michael's holding him up by his yes. throat and, and then he pierces him and then he's like stuck in the air yeah, like he's, you know, and I thought, Ugh. man, that's that's some really strong wood that's behind him, and that's a really <laughs> that's a really strong knife there <laughs> to hold him up. Physics behind it were kind of janky, but I didn't care because it was a cool shot because yeah. it's silhouetted and he's in the air, like it's it's super like creepy and scary in the moment because because it's you're dying in a kind of unnatural way. So right. anyway, mm-hmm. Leslie, uh, um, well. <laughs> So, this is like the <laughs> second time I've ever watched this movie. Um, uh, and Chris used to show me these jokes uh, of Michael Myers just like playing in the leaves and stuff with the theme music playing. Yeah, it, it, uh, I can't I'll, remember. I'll have to find it and send it to you. So, Charlotte. that it's kind awesome. of ruined me this time when I watched the movie because I would think of that. But... <laughs> So the theme, the, the, I, am, I am so sorry. Yeah, Leslie. you kind of ruined that. But anyway, I ruined the whole movie for you. This the scene that <laughs> stuck out was when she was in class, and she looks out the window and she sees him standing there, because yeah. I think it stuck out in my mind was because then again Chris showed me a video of her <laughs> looking at him and he's doing the electric man out on the sidewalk and doing jumping jacks <laughs> and stuff. So I could not not think of that when I watched that scene. So that's like the only scene that's really stuck out of my mind. I know I'm bad. This movie is just Wow. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I will have to find those and send them to you because they were amazing. I like, well, I think the reason why I, I, I do like that scene is that you can see the innocence. She was a teenager. You know, she was innocent. She's daydreaming in class. Um, mm-hmm. so you, you picked up a little bit on, uh, her innocence because in essence she was an innocent, um, when all of this happened. So I, I think that I like that because it picked up a little bit on her, her mental state and you know, who she was okay. besides Chris ruining it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Sam stole it from me again. I, I, I love the, the atmospheric shot of the kids going, you know, trick or treating and you get. I think that's Lori's theme is what's playing. And there there was another Halloween fan film that I scored and they had that established shot. And that's what I did. I used Lori's theme again. I, I brought that back in there, mm-hmm. but I made it with, you know, my, my version basically, but it, you can't have an establishing shot and not have some sort of Halloween theme playing. And it's mm-hmm. always iconic to use the, the Lori's theme. And every time I see that, and because they do, do that and just about throughout the rest of the franchise, and it works every time. And it, I, it, it, every single one of them get me every time. I, I love those shots. Sure. All right, so I think we pretty much all agree on this one, but what could have been done differently? And there 
could have been more variation. I mean, that's just yeah, my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think they yeah, could have just, been just, just more just music, gives... too. Yeah. More variation, more music. Music helps uh, uh, helps a movie. It paces the, mu- you know, the movie, helps it move along. And as y'all have mm-hmm. stated, there are places where it seems stagnant. I think that if they could have interjected a, just music in there, it might would have kind of filled some of those gaps and paced it a little bit better because it did get slow in parts. I think totally agree. There's there is an element an element that you know this is a super low budget film, and you have to think that if this movie had I don't know what the budget is I guess I could look it up pretty quickly but if it had three hundred thousand yeah if it had a couple million dollars to a budget of three hundred twenty five thousand yeah so if it had you know if this was a budget of two or three million right then maybe they could get the rights to some licensed music. Right. So like, 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 like the kids are doing a thing and then you could have some, you know, a song of the time or a cover of the song of the time or something like that. Just as the back to the things are happy here and then you can cut to the scary right. music, something like that. I don't know. Maybe it's too cheesy. Um, but I, I do feel like there's or when we're having kind of the slice of life moment when the, you know, the teenagers are doing nasty teenagery things, whatever. <laughs> like. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of there with. I like the idea of just a little bit different music or or whatever. Right. But keep keep the stabby stabby theme the same. <laughs> right. That's All right. So, so now we're gonna get into the timeline. So Sam, I can kind of answer your yeah. question a little bit. All right. So with this franchise, it went on to have Halloween two, and I mentioned earlier with Halloween three, it had nothing to do with the Michael Myers timeline. It was a pretty good film but it should not have been a, a part of the Halloween franchise. And then there was Halloween four, five, six, and that's, that's one timeline right there. All right. So okay. basically it's his sister and he is killing off his family members. It started with his sister, Judith, and then come to find out Lori is his long lost baby sister. And she was adopted oh. by the Strode family. So that's, that's the whole thing. That's why Michael was coming after her in this timeline. All the way from Halloween 1 all the way into Halloween 6. That's what's going on. Halloween 6, well, 5, they tried to explain it that Michael is, like, pure evil. And he's a part of this cult called the Thorn Cult. Yeah. It, it, it oh, starts... It like it yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you start explaining it too much, yeah. it, See, it that's the problem. power. So, the, yeah, yeah with like... Halloween 6, they, they really try to explain it. They have the whole cult thing. And it was a entire mess of a film. Uh, the score is very very interesting for that one though. But John Carpenter left the franchise after Halloween three. He did Halloween. Mm. He did not direct the third one, but he did do the score with Alan Howarth. Uh, four, five, and six were all done by Alan Howarth, which was basically John Carpenter's right hand man. They worked together in like so many different projects: uh, Escape from New York, uh, The Thing. Which, even though Ennio Morricone got the sole credit, it was really John Carpenter and Alan Howarth really working on that film. So then you get the Halloween H2O timeline. Now, basically with that one, they're saying three, four, five, and six never happened. And it was Halloween one and two and then H2O. So H2O is pretty much Halloween three. So they're leaving the whole, she's a sister thing. And that's why Michael's trying to kill her. So then it goes H2O. Then it goes Halloween resurrection. And then, you know, spoilers, Lori dies. 
in the opening of Halloween Resurrection. And that's the one with oh. Bust, that's the one with Buster Rhymes in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got Buster Rhymes fighting Michael Myers and yeah, that was Oh dear. Oh, that doesn't sound very good. No. We have to do podcast. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, you man. have one for the podcast you have to do. <laughs> and when you have oh, when you do that when you have geez. to add me on there. Yeah, I I will definitely show up for that one. Because <laughs> the movie was terrible. Did he rap? No, no, but he did say trickle treat. You know, did he bust a rhyme? Yes, he did. He did it. He did it. That's why. Yeah. So, Sean, I will definitely come on for that one. <laughs> All right. So then, then Rob Zombie comes along and remakes Halloween. Oh, now see, now he's going to talk about Rob Zombie. Sam, have you seen the Rob Zombie version? No, You're no, I've yeah. These are the only two I've ever okay, seen. Okay, so you have a psychology background. Rob Zombie uh, tried to focus more on the psychology behind uh, Michael Myers. Okay. So I, you know, I, I watched Rob Zombie version, and I found it fascinating on that basis that he tried to focus on, uh, you know, the psychological aspect of of you know michael as opposed to just slashy slashy killy killy (laughs) yeah all right so even in rob zombie's version he still leaves the whole she Lori is the long lost sister of michael and that's the reason why he's trying to kill her so then you get halloween 2 rob zombie's halloween 2 and that that film is just wow it is really really out there it's like he, he rob zombie got a lot of hate for the first film but it was popular enough to warrant a sequel, and then he just he just went off the rails for the sequel. So, oh whoa! Then the series kind of just stayed dead for a while until we got this one here, Halloween twenty eighteen, and there was um when it was announced, it was announced that Jamie Lee Curtis was coming back, and it was like, well, how's this going to work? Because she died in Halloween Resurrection. That's when we found out that this film basically does away with every sequel, including the remake. <laughs> So it's Halloween, and, and then there's Halloween 2018. Crap. Yeah, so this so, is supposed to be the uh-huh. second one. That's why you get the whole joke in there where it's like, well, isn't oh. she his sister? Oh, no, that was just a rumor. So there is no explanation in this one as of why Michael is trying <laughs> to kill her. Maybe in the Halloween Kills, the sequel, because this is a part of a whole new trilogy. you got Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. And uh, that's... That's the whole thing that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride of all people are are have come up with for this one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, boy, it's worse than the than the DC universe timeline. <laughs> you know, ignoring it. Definitely. Holy cow! Well, it was wow. I was watching this, and then you know she says something about twenty years ago or thirty years ago, forty years ago, whenever the time. Yeah, it was forty years. Forty years ago, he killed five people, and I thought, wait. He's killed way more than five people. Right. That's because <laughs> that's because of that. this timeline. And it, it, like I said, there's so many different branching timelines in the Halloween, you know, franchise or say universe. I guess you could say. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah. you said, it, it definitely is. It's worse than the DC universe. But yeah, that's that's the reason why it's like, oh, you only killed five people. And it's I'm like you, Sean. It throws me off because like, wait a minute, he's got so many different films. It's over two. Well, oh yeah, this is like Halloween too. That's right. <laughs> so that's crazy. So so I'm I'm actually fortunate to go into this. Yes. Not ever seeing everything else. Right. It's rare to rare that you are you know <laughs> you come in on the tenth movie and right. you don't need to see the previous nine or whatever it was. 
That still doesn't track because even if it's only that she killed five people, <laughs> the end of this movie, he doesn't get captured. No. So how does he get captured to go back to the place? What do you uh, wait for the for the well, new do, film? At the beginning of the new movie we're talking about in 2018, he's back in in the asylum, right? He's been yeah. So he's there's been missing con- time. It seems like right. You don't know so, how he got oh, captured. so somebody so, so they were able to capture him at some point, right? So there is uh, in the new film, the new Halloween Halloween Kills. There is a flashback showing how he gets captured. Okay. Yeah, I don't uh, know why they yeah. didn't do it for this film. They mention it. With uh, Will Patton's character, it's like, oh, I was there when we captured him that night. Uh, yeah, yeah I agree, Sean. I was like, huh? <laughs> he does say that. He does say, Will Patton does say, I was there when we captured him. And like Will Patton's like really tra- you know, traumatized from the yeah. experience. That made me think, okay, he was just a cop that was there. Because I couldn't remember the actual Halloween 2 movie, how that ended. I just couldn't remember. And I thought... Oh, maybe he was captured at the end of that movie. Wait, 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 wait. Was that the one where the building collapsed on him? Did I see this? I mean, is uh, this the second Halloween where... He gets set on fire. And, well, oh, never mind then. I saw. I thought <laughs> I saw something where his hand comes out of a, a, a pile of wood or something. That sounds really? like Ninja Turtles. The shredder. His hand <laughs> comes out of a pile of wood. <laughs> that, that may have been the Rob Zombie remake. I think that... I, I can't remember. I can't remember either. Okay. I, I, there's got to be one of I them just, where that happens. <laughs> I do know at our... Believe it or not, our because our, I teach at a community college, at, at our faculty Halloween party, they would put on a Michael Myers film on the projector. No, you, know, you don't really pay attention to it, but I right. do remember the end where where his hand comes out of a a pile of debris or something okay. like that. So there was yeah. one of them uh, shaky and just coming up, you know, because, because that's how you get out of things is by just sticking your hand through it. First. Start shaking <laughs> it. That, that's how you it gotta works. Shake the hand. You got to give jazz yeah. hands, right? Give jazz hands and that's you can get out. I'm going to do all that. you need. Jazz on out of there. <laughs> <laughs> like Scatman Brothers. There you go. All right. So when it was announced, <laughs> When it was announced that this film was coming out, it, they they announced that Jason Blum was going to be producing it, Jamie Lee Curtis was coming back, and then announced that John Carpenter was going to be coming back as executive producer and composer. Now, he comes back to this franchise. You know, he's, he did the first one in 1978, and he comes back 40 years later for this franchise, and he brings his son, Cody, and also uh, a friend, I believe, of Cody's, Daniel Davies. Is that the fellow's name? Yes, Daniel Davies. I just said three additional people, so it was him and two other people. <laughs> yeah. I didn't write their names down. <laughs> but yeah, it was his son, Cody. And I remember because I, I watched the uh, Big Trouble in Little China commentary, and it was Kurt Russell and John Carpenter sitting there talking. And Kurt Russell asked him, you know, how, how's Cody doing? And I remember him saying, he's oh, he's he's way more talented than I am. He, he's much better at the keyboard. He's a lot more complex than I am. And I, I, I still remember that because when this score come out, I listened to it. And I was like, wow. First off, this is a lot bigger and a lot darker than the original yes. Halloween yes. 1978. So, you know, in the 1978 score, you just had John Carpenter working on it. Well, in this one, you have two other people working alongside of him. So in my mind, it made it sound a little bit more cinematic than, uh, or what we would consider cinematic than the original score. There was a little bit more depth to it as opposed to uh, the original. I do like that they kept it synthetic, uh, you know, still using synthesizers. I do like that they did that. I thought, you know, what a way, what a great way to keep it going. But then you had this added element of electric guitar every so often. 
They have that in the the new revamped version of the Halloween theme. You hear it in there. And then the one track, it's uh The Shape Hunts Allison, and it's this piano verse going off. All of a sudden, we watch the behind the scenes. It's a guitar with a bow on it. And you get this rising oh. just... Yeah, it was really, really cool. I'm I like, look, Chris, I got a bow. You have a guitar. <laughs> we can make that sound. <laughs> oh, boy. Now... What what were your thoughts to the to the score um, when you started watching this one, guys? I'll jump on this one, Sam, since uh, uh, I, I was offered and then couldn't. I liked this <laughs> score way more than I liked the original, and um, and that might just be my modern sensibility. I just I I really got into this one. I love classical music. And I love when classical music is melded with electric guitar. Um, uh, examples I can give are in Mr. Holland's opus at the end when they when that that electric guitar comes in, oh. I just freaking headbang to this wonderful piece of film, you know, music. Uh, I've been listening a lot uh, to um, James Newton Howard's uh, collection, yes. and in his Treasure Planet score is electric guitar. And he's got this horn riff happening while the electric guitar is just kind of strumming, and I love it. It just it adds an energy to it. So this movie, score-wise, just the score. What the other one gives you is the, the tension by absence. This one gives you tension with energy. It's the nervous energy mm-hmm. with the music, and I freaking loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I'm right there with you with the whole, you know, having classical music music with a guitar going. There, there's another score I really liked, the uh, composer, Marco Beltrami, Flight of the Phoenix. There was a lot of moments in there where he had a lot of score going, but he didn't even have a guitar coming in. I was like, yes! <laughs> I think that, uh, as Chris mentioned, when they, they brought the guitar in and then they took the bow, and instead of strumming the the notes on the guitar, you took the bow and run it across the strings of the guitar to make that sound, uh, that noise. It it to me it was amazing because when you heard it in the score, it it actually gave me goosebumps. I'm one of those auditory people that if I like the na- you know the the sound or the emotion that it's trying to you know it, I'll get goosebumps. I've always been that way. And I I did. I literally got goosebumps because I really like that sound that they achieved with that method. All right, Sam. So what were your thoughts on the score when you first heard it? Uh, well, since Opie jumped in front of me this time, <laughs> um, that, uh, I, God, I, I thought it was flipping amazing. Um, I did not expect to enjoy both the movie and the score as much as I did, um, in this thing. And I, a lot of people will know if they listen to cheap seat that I watch a lot of these movies at work. Um, and, and a lot of times I, I watch them and I might be, you know, grading papers right, and papers. emails, right? I, I literally, uh, for about two hours today was just, just, just staring at the screen with my earbuds in with the sound all the way up. And I loved what they did with the score, especially maybe cause I came from the original and it was so minimalistic right? and this one comes in and it speaks more to me uh, as a modern American, I guess now, and, and my sensibilities of 
you know, I don't have an attention span. Um, I want quicker pacing. You know, I want right. all these different things that it gives you. I just, I ate it up. Um, it was a, it, it was a wonderful, wonderful um, combination. It was great. I loved it. Now, you know, I mentioned uh, for the last film that, you know, they had that tension build up. And then the moment that he starts stabbing or the killing process, you heard nothing. Well, this one, this movie was the exact opposite. They played yeah. the movie throughout each one of those scenes in, in which that, you know, he killed. So uh, that is the difference there between the two scores. Uh, you, mm -hmm. know, you know, the other score, but the theme, the theme carried through. I loved when you get movies that have continuity with the original score, or you'll hear like little peekaboos of the original motif uh, if somebody else is scoring the movie and um, you'll hear the peekaboos of the original motif and they make it their own, but you still hear that original sound. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, one of the things I really liked about this is that he continued on with the Halloween theme, even though he's changed it up a little bit, you know, which we wanted to see with the last movie. Well, this movie he did. He changed it up somewhat. So it had that more cinematic feel and had more depth to it than the other score. Yeah, definitely. I I completely agree with that. It was it, it was huge. It was I mean, and the one thing that we talked about with the original film that you know there was a lack of variation. This score had it all over the place. There was there was, <laughs> you know, it was like almost yeah. it was like one track was not the same as the other. They always did something different every single time. And the one thing, I'm I'm not sure if I really liked it too much, but he did give Lori a new theme. Which which is kind of understandable because she's almost a completely different person. She's old. Yeah, she's <laughs> old. <laughs> Seasoned. She's, yeah, not, she's, 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 she's not so much of a victim this time. Right. It's not that she's old. Yeah. It's in in the innocence is gone. Mm -hmm. right. right. Oh, absolutely. She's 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 turned into um, a recluse. A hard woman. Sarah Connor. I want to be insulting, but I'll, I'll just I'll be nice. Um, <laughs> you know she's like the female. Like crazier version of Clint Eastwood. I don't know. I'm, I'm to... Okay, she's yeah, Sarah that works. Connor from Terminator. I mean, she's, yeah, she's kind of Sarah Connor. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. a little Sarah Connor, but more Sarah Connor with PTSD. You, you yeah. have those people yeah. that get uh, hardened by what happened in their life, and you can tell that you know what happened in the first movie was so traumatic to her. It, it's hardened her. It's desensitized her. It's made her more um, guarded. You can see that in her character. I, you know, I like Jamie Lee Curtis as an actress, and I like the fact that she uh, portrayed that. And you can see it. You can see the emotional strain of what happened, how it, it affected her. And uh, I, I think that's amazing. And on her children as well. You know, as, right. us as, as parents see, you know, boy, the trauma that she expressed on her own children is, is pretty pretty uh, it's quite a bit it is and now as i was talking about with Lori's theme now the scene where she has the the entire mental breakdown i can't remember the score track name but there is a moment where you hear the original Lori theme in there and i think hmm. that is when her emotional state starts to come back i think that's when she she kind of harkens back for just a moment back to the original innocent Lori. you know it mm -hmm. it she she couldn't she tore down that wall that she's built up for so many years she just she lost everything she just broke down 
And I, I think that was really smart of Carpenter to bring the 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 theme back for just that brief moment. That little peekaboo. I'm just not really too mm-hmm. sure if I like the new theme that he made for Lori. I'm I don't know. Maybe that was just me. Maybe that was just me. But the one thing he did do, he he did give a new theme for Michael, which is the electric guitar. The the very low <laughs> the hard driving. Oh, yeah, man, it yeah. was brutal. Goosebumps, goosebumps. Now in the track names, they'll name it where Michael kills, and then it turns into some of them are the the shape kills. Now in the film, you see Michael without the mask on for for a good little bit at the beginning, and he's killing people and everything else. And that's when Michael gets that one certain theme. But then when he turns into the shape, when he gets the mask and the the outfit and everything else. It, it, the the score changes just a little bit with him. It, you yeah, know, that's when his theme starts to play. I have in my right. notes. Theme doesn't play until yeah. he puts his mask on. Right. And then when he puts his mask on, he's transformed back into Michael Myers, and you hear that in the music. And he, and he, play, he plays with the theme, too. That was the one thing that, even when I would score Halloween fan films, I, I would always play with the theme. I always make it really slow. It was just, you know, do, 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 instead of playing it really fast and everything else. Carpenter <laughs> did that with this one and i i was when he did it i was just i started like fist pumping in the air i was like yes 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 he did it yes because i believe that that track right there is like one of the first ones that he released when the score was coming out that kind of tease everybody hey this is what we're doing and all of a sudden you hear that very slow version of the halloween theme almost like oh this is gonna be amazing and sure enough you know it was it was amazing score and i was very happy when they released the expanded version on spotify and that i also listened to that one today as well Oh. <laughs> just before this podcast I did not. <laughs> and that that concept that idea is very popular for the last 10 years where if you especially if you have a trailer uh, for a movie that's got some i'm not gonna say horror elements but some darker elements to take a, a piece of music that you know and love and then make it minor and slow it down you know i i always think of when they released the first trailer for age of ultron and it's the I've Got No Strings mm-hmm. on Me song from Pinocchio. But mm-hmm. it's in this super dark, mellow way that it makes it super creepy. And that's, that was the, the, the intent. So I, I, I'm i with you. I, I kind of like it. It was something we just watched recently. I just uh, watched Candyman. the trailer Candyman. where they did that. They did it for Candyman. I didn't see that. I'm trying to think. Something uh, else. Hmm. I don't know. I'll not... think... But there was a trailer that I watched recently. I'm trying to think. The only trailers I've watched recently, I've watched Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man trailer, like four times. I watched the new Matrix trailer today. That's oh, what yeah, I saw okay, that too. Okay, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, God, what what is that song? I hadn't seen it. Is it? Oh, yeah. Rabbit, yeah. right? Is it the, isn't that the White Rabbit? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, the White Rabbit song. That's what it is. And they, yeah. they had orchestra in behind it and kind of built it up a little bit. Yeah, I think it's this original singer, but it felt slower. Like, it felt a lot slower Definitely. for some reason. Yeah, and it makes you unnerved when they start playing with pitches and, you know, they start slowing down music that you know and love. <laughs> and uh, it gets unnerving because you're like, that's not right. That's not supposed yeah. to sound that way. Now, that was one <laughs> thing with the trailer for the new Halloween, the Halloween Kills. They have the Halloween theme playing, but it's on, uh, it's done with a, sound like a violin. And it was it was kind of unnerving, but it was sounded really cool at the same time. So I don't know if that's in the score itself or there's something they made just for the trailer. I hope it's in the film because it was <laughs> so cool. It was so cool. It was like, yes, that sounds awesome. But, you know, I don't know. Because the, the two tracks that Carpenter has released for the new one, it's kind of 
lacking. I was not happy. I'm like, what is this? Uh, this reminds it, me of yeah. the original Halloween. It was just repetitive. I'm like, mm. it's too much. Yeah. yeah. All right. Too so, much the same. so the score for the new Halloween was, you know, we all agree is fantastic. It, it has the variations, yep. it, you know, the different versions. It's something new just at every turn. Now, with the film itself, right from the opening, this film is brutal. I mean, it, holy it, cow, dude! The yeah. uh, the Next kid, yes, go, the I mean, kid. Holy crap! I my my jaw, I literally fell. I to did my the desk, same thing. I'm like, know. what? Like, what the heck? Did he just? Did they just really do that? Yeah, I, I saw, mean, I saw this in wow. the theaters, and when it when that happened, I'm like, dude, it was the same thing with the dog. He's like, dude, he just killed a kid. Holy right? crap. And I'm the like, teeth. I'm like, what the hell oh, is that? that? So He's got na- teeth in his hand. What that is was he so doing? Nasty. And see, that was in the trailer. Well, I, I, this, what this movie does well is it introduces you, introduces you to characters that you think are going to last a while and then kills them off very quickly. <laughs> in a very gruesome way, too. Yeah, the, the, those podcasters. I mean, oh. wow. 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 Uh, hold on. The... We have to go here for a second. Just themselves as podcasters. <laughs> Any podcast can throw around three thousand dollars cash for an interview. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if we could drop the three three grand for an interview, man, can you imagine the people we would? Oh yeah, we start. I wonder who their sponsors were. <laughs> we find their sponsors. In a movie about. <laughs> killable man that was the most unbelievable thing in the movie wow anyway okay yeah now the the one thing definitely with you know we talked about with the score but it is just heavily throughout the entire film it is a lot darker and it i mean it's it's something happening Every time you turn around and it, it's, yeah, it, like I said, it was just a brutal movie. It really was. Oh, gee. The, now, the, the lady just simply making dinner for her baby oh, and he, no. him, him passing the baby. And I'm like, Oh God. Oh no. He, he's now, going to. Yeah. I would have clicked it off at that point. That sequence is actually an homage to Halloween two, the original Halloween two. There, there were a lot of moments with this film that they were making homages to the rest of the franchise. Uh, oh, that, okay. That scene right there is a, a homage to Halloween Two because he kills. Uh, I, I want to say, um, he kills the old woman with a with a knife. I think he steals her knife and kills her. I can't remember, but it was not that brutal. Um, oh, and then table the, shaking and, yeah, and oh, yeah, God, yeah, man, it was just it was yeah. oh, it was so much. And then, the, but it, and it was off camera, right? It was right. the sound, yeah, and the yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was, was so, awesome. oh man. <laughs> and, that, and that's all and that right there with the with the Halloween theme playing and he's just walking slow and you just see him turn and he goes into the garage, grabs the hammer, goes in there and it's just, you know, beats her to death. And it's like, whoa. And it's like all in one take. I'm like, oh, OK, this is right. Oh, this is dark. Uh, and, and then there's some <laughs> trick or treaters that have a witch mask, a pumpkin mask and a skull mask. That is from Halloween three because the entire storyline for that one is taking place talking about these Halloween masks and yeah it you have to see it. I don't want to I don't want to ruin it's, Halloween three for yeah, you. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah definitely watch that one. But that that's an homage to Halloween three, which 
you know, again, was not part of the franchise, but they're still honoring it. And there was, there was so many little, little moments in Easter there. Easter eggs. Yeah, little Easter eggs and moments and everything else. Now, we are introduced to a new doctor, Dr. Sartan. This is the one thing that I did not like about this movie. I love the movie overall. Do we do we want to spoil this? <laughs> yeah, I, at this point, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So the the doctor is introduced, and he's supposed to be like the new Doctor Loomis and everything else. But you know, there's just something not quite right about this guy. But then he ends up stabbing Will Patton's character in the neck, killing mm-hmm. him, and that's when Ooh. it's revealed that he wants to experience what michael does he wants to he wants michael to speak he wants to know why michael kills so he starts killing too he so basically the doctor's crazy and that's a weird motivation it really is it really really is it's more of a session i think about it i honestly thought um i don't know if you guys remember the movie i believe it was a denzel movie that was it fallen yeah right i i thought that's where it was going right where it was the, the 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 demon in michael transfers to other people or something now, so that's what i thought possibly could and i i could have understood that in one of the earlier films halloween 4 it ends with his niece uh touching michael myers's hand and then later on in the film she stabs her stepmother um you know attacking her and that's when you know it, the, the movie ends with a little girl standing on the top of the staircase and she's got a pair of scissors just like michael did in a clown costume so that was the original oh, tent. It was supposed to be that since she touched Michael, his spirit passed on to her. And the original idea was the next film, it was going to be, you know, it was going to be her. It was going to be her going around killing people just like Michael did. And then Michael was going to come back toward the end. Well, then it, you know, a lot of people, they were like, the producers got scared. and They're like, no, no, Michael's going to come back. And now the girl is mute and everything else. And <laughs> Ruin the franchise, and, and even even the actress, she was like, "That was the dumbest thing ever," and I wish I had never done that. Mute. We're gonna make her a mute. Yeah, and it, I mean, in oh, it was terrible. It was such a bad baby. But anyway, so yeah, so you weren't far from it <laughs> with okay. the idea. Just okay. wrong movie, <laughs> right idea, just wrong friend, uh, wrong series, wrong timeline, wrong timeline, wrong timeline. Yeah, it's wrong timeline. So that when the doctor. This is the one part I actually started laughing in the theaters. I I busted out laughing. He did. When the doctor, he's not lying. I I still do it every time I see it. When the doctor stands up and he's got the Michael Myers mask on and his shoulders are like all hunched up, I busted out laughing. <laughs> it was the dumbest looking thing ever. It was like, oh. it's like, come on, you cannot tell me why they were filming this movie. They put that mask on that guy and they were like, yeah, this looks good. Let's keep it in there. No. <laughs> No, I, I want to say that Danny McBride, because he was one of the writers, was like, yeah, that's funny. Let's put that in there. Put <laughs> it on Danny McBride. It's all his fault. Yeah, it's all Danny McBride's fault. I think, Craig, you laughed, because when I saw it, I just rolled my eyes, and I thought, oh. Uh, <laughs> it was a bad little twist. I mean, it didn't last long, thank God. Thankfully, yes. Right? But it was it was a bad, bad and, and when this twist. so-called twist happened, I was so hoping, uh, I was like, please don't let it be. Michael goes along with this and starts working with this guy. And thankfully that didn't happen because Michael crushes his head with his, with he, his boot. He works alone. Yeah, like a cantaloupe. Like, yeah, yeah, like a cantaloupe. Or, He's a lone or, killer. Or, or a pumpkin. A pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That was pretty uh, gross. The one thing I do I do love was the opening titles with the kind Dude, of- I, I was... Yes, I was about to, to I, I didn't know if we'd talk about it, but 
the the reverse uh, decomposing of the pumpkin right. was brilliant in this case. Yeah, brilliant. I was oblivious. I'm like, I am not understanding this. And Chris is like, it's the resurrection. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's what it was. The, 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 the pumpkin was coming back to life because Michael's been inside the insane right. asylum and then I'm like, for oh, so long. Okay, okay, and he was, he was yeah. just dormant. And yeah. then when he started killing people again, he, he just rose back up just like the pumpkin did. Yeah, so, no. yeah, yeah, I thought it was awesome. I was oblivious. I was like, what? What, what is this? <laughs> And I think this was the first time they did the pumpkin since the original Halloween 2. Because uh, oh. none, none of the other films had the opening like that. It was just, they would show different Halloween things or whatever. Uh, Halloween, f- I, I take that back. Halloween 5 did do something, but it was like, it was a lot of jump cuts and they were like cutting into a pumpkin and it was just, it just didn't really work. Again, that film's terrible. So. <laughs> I think what I liked, uh, you know, after it started, it showed him uh, as, after he's been recaptured. And you see the scene of all of the the prisoners are, well, they're all insane. But you see the <laughs> mental patients in this courtyard. And it almost reminds me of a chessboard for whatever reason. And then he's. because sta- it is. It's like a checkerboard. Like, yeah. yeah. And he's standing in the middle, yeah. you know, tied to this, this big cement weight thing with this chain and. And they have this block around them, and uh, I I thought that that was visually pleasing to look at, when, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, uh, to see just the intermingling of all of these crazy people, and then you have you know solitary Michael Myers there in the middle, and they didn't show his face, of course, you know, because he was turned to the camera. So you're still questioning, okay, what did he look like after all these years? You know, yeah. Well, he he did have the dead eye. Yeah, from yeah. where Laurie stabbed him with the uh, looked like the I guess it was the clothes hanger. Oh God, the the, the worst hiding place ever. <laughs> it makes no sense. Nope. What? Well, mm, yeah. yeah. So oh, well, she, she opened up the door to make him think that she went out the window, <laughs> but she, said she went into the closet. Oh, yes. that's so bad. She was too noisy with. Her whimpers of, of fear. <laughs> whimpers of fear. <laughs> that would not have happened in the South, not yeah. at all. So interesting. No, interesting, no there uh, would have been. There would already been about ten guns in that closet <laughs> to, uh, to choose from. All right. So she she, she, she would she would have had she would have died because she couldn't make a decision. She's like, oh man, which do one? This one? Do I take this do one? I go with the automatic or? But I really like the feel of the shotgun. Do I go? Punch up? <laughs> you, you're talking about the guns again. Halloween 4, <laughs> there is a scene where there's a bunch of drunken hillbillies going around. They decide they're going to go shoot Michael Myers up. So they're driving around in trucks. Now, this is still taking place in Illinois. Uh-oh. Dri- driving around in 4 by 4 trucks, drunk, which aren't with shotguns. Oh, my. So there, are- so, so there is a moment in the Halloween series, in the Halloween franchise, where that does happen. So- <laughs> nice. Perfect. So, <laughs> with this film, um, again, we're going to go through the three criteria. Does it work for the film? Guys? I, yeah. I, I'm going to say yes and no. I think there are moments that totally enhance the film. You know, it, it, there are moments. But then there are moments where it's, it, it, it just feels generic. Um, I think there are, at times, where it's just you know, maybe we, we asked for it and we got it and, and, and now we don't like it, but I think there's just moments where it just doesn't really add to it. There's a lot of jump cuts and jump scares in this one compared to the first one. And I think the music always tries to, to, to play that up as well. And I don't know if it, uh, I don't know if it worked as well. 
Chill. But in terms of would I listen to it on its own? Heck yeah. <laughs> right. I would, I would get some of these tracks and, and put them on my playlist. So I, I love it, but at the same time, I don't think it's as, as impactful as just the simple, simple melody in, in that, in that first movie. Right. All right, Sean. Yeah. I mean, I, as much as it hurts me to agree with Sam, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure it does. The, the main score itself is still great. The, the main theme that we're used to is still great. And it's, and it was a little different enough. It had a little bit more energy to it. Uh, even with just the piano, cause it didn't feel like it was, you know, done on a, 1978 Korg, you know, like it felt like it was done with a, a legit piano and, and some, you know, stringed instruments and whatever. Mm. And so I, I really enjoyed that as far as, you know, the kind of genericness of it. I hadn't thought about it until you said it, Sam, but you're right. There are some moments where it's just kind of generic action movie mu- music. Yep. And I didn't notice it. Like I, it faded to the background cause I was so in involved in what was happening on screen that I, I stopped listening, you know, <laughs> Which is not necessarily the best thing to say on a podcast devoted to listening. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Sorry. No, but well, yeah. And also the, the movie uh, uh, kind of actually took me in enough that I stopped writing notes. I realized my last <laughs> note on this movie was at least he didn't kill the baby. But if she has no family, he might as well have. If she's Aww. a... But you know what I'm saying? If she is a single mother, right, who yeah. no parents and no that one, makes me, that makes me really sad. You just made this whole movie a lot more tragic. Right, I'm er, just cut, cut the I was podcast. Thinking. We're done. I'm, now I'm gonna go cry. Uh, Thanks, for Sean. Uh, <laughs> I kind of wish have been at least one cop, you know, walking <laughs> by with a baby in its hand, so that we know that the baby is okay. Maybe that's you gonna know? be explained in the next one. I love it. All right, uh, Leslie. Did... I agree with Sean. My last note in my notebook is theme doesn't play until his mask is put on. Well, how about this? I, I wrote notes down. And I can't find them. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> in all honesty, I think that it 50-50 works. And the reason why is in the... The 1978 version, you know, he devoted the the whole theme to build up the suspense. And he had this mm-hmm. kind of matrix he uses to build up suspense. And then, you know, the horror moment would happen and we'd all be appalled, you know, or scared. Um, it's different now. Granted, we have a different audience. You know, this is 2018 as opposed to, you know, the late 70s. Um, those elements there that he utilized to create that suspense fill were lacking in some places, in my opinion. And um, it got to the point to where the music didn't really stand out. It didn't, to me, complement. It kind of faded a little bit to the background, as Sean said. Uh, there were parts of where I tuned the music out completely. Granted, yeah. you know, then you could ask the question, well, if that's the case, then was the music doing its job? You know, because the job is not to overpower mm-hmm. the film, it's to complement it. I think in that instance, uh, you know, it, it, it worked in a sense, but on the flip side, it was not memorable enough to where I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, because the next question that Chris is about to ask is about your favorite score piece, and I really don't have one because, yep. because of that, you know, uh, effect on the movie. 
Yeah, I, and I totally go ahead, Sam. I, I was going to say I totally agree with you because if I would, you know, because I would buy some of these tracks because I remember them being fairly impactful, but I would not know exactly where they fit. And like, I'd have to go back and see the movie, or I'd have to go on on iTunes and do each individual track and and do you know for thirty seconds to see, you know, is this what I remember? Right. Yeah, and I feel, and you know, my opinion is that the score stands alone on itself a lot better than it is paired with the film. Yep. Well, not not to really change much. I mean, I I agree with all of you. It there there are a lot of moments where the score just kind of kind of becomes noise at one point. It's just like it's just there. Uh, but there mm-hmm. are a lot of moments like when this whole scene where Michael Myers is you know chasing the the granddaughter, which. Throughout the entire film, when she kept saying "grandmother," it annoyed the <laughs> crap out of me. But then, when there was a there was a track, it was called uh, "To Grandmother's House." That's when it that's when it it picked up. That's when it like dawned on me why she called her grandmother. Uh, "To Grandmother's House we go." That and it's uh, you know the, the, you know the big bad the wolf. big bad wolf. And I was yeah. like, that's when it clicked. I'm like, that's why she always said "grandmother," not grandma or mama or me mall or anything it's mama. always mama <laughs> it's, not it's you know it's grandma <laughs> you know <laughs> it looked like in the south well oh. actually fun fact the entire come on me where are you the entire <laughs> where, where is you me <laughs> mimi where's my mimi <laughs> mimi hey, um the the entire film was filmed in south carolina where at in South Carolina? What's the real Charleston. South Carolina? Was it yeah. filmed in Charleston? Because that's where I'm Charleston. from. Oh my gosh. I'm from Charleston. Yes, we know. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this on the Ready Player One episode located on Chief Seat Reviews. <laughs> All right. So, what was your favorite score or favorite scene with the film? Uh, Sam, you go first. I'm going to look and oh, see. Oh, Lord. I, I know any crew. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I could tell you what shocked me, right? Um, you know, obviously the kid in the truck, and, and then the, there were so many like people that I, I I was like, man, I can't believe he just killed like the 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 kid who tried to get to steal a kiss. I felt right. I felt so bad for that kid. Yeah, I felt bad for him um, too. You know, and and but um, oh my favorite my favorite scene. Um, I I think unfortunately it has to be the killing of the woman where it was just a one long take and okay. just showed it was just. He's so calm and he's so relentless. He just walks right in, takes the hammer or takes, yeah, the hammer yeah, and, and just goes right to her. And then it, and then the, the walking by the baby, you know, my heart stopped and, and I thought, Oh Lord, they're going to go there. But you know, thank God that, yeah, that he just kept walking. Because I was like, yeah. well, he's already killed one kid and you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't put it past him to do it again. And then he's just like, okay, no, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to do that. And then he starts going after these other people. And then they get in a car and leave, and he's like, okay, well, I'll just veer off and go over to this person over here for just no right? reason. It's like, oh, yeah. dude, so yeah. so messed up. Sean, <laughs> you, you still looking for crew member, or are you ready to go? <laughs> in fairness, though, to him killing a kid, the kid was armed with a thirty out 6 so it's not, <laughs> it's not like he was some innocent bystander. He, oh, was he also a, just he just shot somebody as yeah, well. Yeah, he shot Dr. Yeah. Sartan. Dr. <laughs> You know, in retrospect, it might have been a good character decision. Yeah, because bus. I'm pretty sure he's the one that started the whole bus crash. So, yeah, you know, the good job, kid. It's funny. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if I took the note. 
<laughs> no, the only thing I did write was, why can't bus transfers ever go smoothly in these <laughs> kinds of movies? Um, <laughs> I, did, I, I did think it was kind of funny when the kid shoots the guy. I, I, there was a moment where I thought, is this supposed to be like a PSA for gun control kind of a thing? <laughs> no. Um, but then it's almost like, well, there's a little bit of karma there, too. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. So my favorite scene, honestly, we haven't talked about it at all. But honestly, the, the part that I, I liked was at the end of the movie, we, we find out that the whole they, they go to Jamie Lee Curtis's house, Lori's house, mm-hmm. and she's built it like a fortress. And yeah. uh, there's they have like a fight scene throughout the house, right? She's kind of sparring with him. Right. And, and then eventually um, she wounds him. And and he wounds her, and then he hides, and so she has to go upstairs and find him, and then they have another fight, and then he throws her out the window, and we get that homage of he, oh to, yeah. yeah she's on the ground, he looks back at something, and then he looks back down, and she's gone right, and and of course I I, I sent Sam a, a message saying her whole plan is one hundred percent depending on him not killing her right because otherwise <laughs> the plan doesn't work right, and so then. Then we have like the horror element of him trying to break away the, the 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 kitchen island to get into the thing, and then he you know she bonks him on the head with a frying pan or something and he falls in. So my point is is like the whole movie Judy Greer is act like a jerk, right? right. Judy Greer like <laughs> the worst human movie besides Michael Myers. Right? Treats, her, treats her mother yeah. like crap through the whole entire thing. That's yes. like garbage, right? I mean, one of my notes even says the daughter is so mad at her mother that when the mom comes in and says the bus crashed, she doesn't ask what that means. She just says, get out mom. Right. And I'm like, that should mean something to you. You should know what that means. So mm-hmm. anyway, and then Judy Greer is playing up this whole, I can't do it. I'm never, whatever. And then when Michael Myers shows his face, she's like, gotcha, you son of a whatever. And then she shoots <laughs> him. It's like, Oh my gosh, you actually had some a redeeming moment in this movie. I don't think that. <laughs> um, that was actually kind of my favorite moment. I, uh, was when she kind of had that that moment. So, that was that was it. That was a good moment. Leslie? It. My favorite moment was at the very end. And it is the moment where they, you know, you found out that the uh, whole trap was set and they were going to set fire to it and the fire started. And Michael Myers and Jimmy Lee Kirk's character locks eyes. That's the first time you've seen them actually lock eyes onto each other throughout, you know, the 78 version and through this version. Because it's kind of like glancing blows. You, he's, you know, he's this kind of huge stalker. He's been stalking her for two movies. And uh, they don't really lock eyes. Yeah, she stabbed him in the eye, but they didn't really, you know acknowledge each other there there was one moment where he's looking through a mirror and she looks up and sees him but it was still it was not face to it wasn't face to face and yep. i like the intensity of that moment because in that second they they're acknowledging each other because they're you know they're they're focused on each other like okay i got you now you know and uh <laughs> by I, the I, way I that. in that moment shoot him in the head <laughs> you got him right. down there right he's he's literally what 10 feet away Shoot him in the head with the shotgun, right. and and, but then and just two more movies. Oh. Exactly. But I know, I know. It's going to be explained in the next like, one. 
He jumps in a <laughs> he jumps in some water and he survives that's, that's the fire. Gonna be my, that's right. going to be my tagline for this podcast episode. It's going to be explained in the next one. <laughs> yeah, you and I are literally thinking like Seth Green from the Austin Powers movie. I got Seth in my room right now. We'll go get it. We'll shoot them together. It'll be fun. That's right. He's but he's Scott. trapped down there. You know where he is. Just go get him. Right. Yeah, it should have happened. So, uh, 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 my favorite scene is the whole bathroom sequence because it was just. It was so raw. It was so brutal. I mean, he, oh, he, the, yeah, he, he the drops the teeth. Yeah. And she's all looking at like, oh, what goodness. is that? And then when he zooms in, you see his teeth. You're like, oh, that's even worse. It reminded <laughs> me of Rob Zombie for whatever reason. I don't know why the teeth remind. It might have been to House well, of a Thousand Corpses or something. But when they dropped the teeth, I just had this flashback to Rob Zombie. Well, I mean, because that was, that was, what they did was kind of the, the brutal version of Rob Zombie's Michael Myers. And they brought it into the original franchise because the Rob Zombie version of Michael Myers was just as raw and just as brutal. And that's kind of what, what they did. They just took that, you know, that monster and dropped him into the original timeline. And with that moment right there, that's kind of what, you know, let you know, this is not the same Michael Myers. This dude, this dude's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just dropping teeth. I mean, you know, this this guy's been insane asylum. Yeah, you could tell he just dropped some teeth on the floor just to kind of warn somebody. And the sound freak- they make that you know, to uh, me that would be the sound that I would, you know, kind of identify what teeth might sound like. On and the and floor. then <laughs> then the music ramps up and you get the electric guitar theme and I was like, Okay, that's that was kind of cool. That, that was my favorite moment with the score. Now yeah. uh what could have been done differently? Basically, I think we can all agree. Um, maybe less of a the doctor. Yeah, the doctor. <laughs> yes, yes, Make definitely him less crazy. <laughs> yeah, they they should have just. I don't know. That whole twist should have just went away. <laughs> he reminded me of Buffalo Bill. You know, when he was dancing around. <laughs> what? Yeah, because I I can see him putting you know Michael Myers mask on and start dancing oh, around. No. You know. <laughs> no, no, no. That's going to be stuck in my head. Or something weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> All right. What could have been done differently for the score? <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. I, I'm thinking maybe, and, and this is going to sound really weird, but reserve some of the, of the energy and, and impact uh, for towards the end a little bit more. Yeah. Right. You know, save it for the 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 house scene, and just really pump it up in the house. Or uh, it just felt like it was it was so consistent, and it was good. And I, and I think I've mentioned that before. It's a great track. There's a bunch of great tracks, but I think because it's so intense the entire movie, that it doesn't help add to uh, to the end game. Definitely, definitely agree with you, Sean. Yeah, I don't really, yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, the other thing I could think of would be, because here's the other thing is, which is, I know we, we spent the first half of this podcast saying the, the Michael Myers theme was too much. I don't remember it being throughout the movie and maybe I would have liked it a little bit more. I mean, to have it a little bit more times. That's not, but interesting. Okay. Just the simple theme you're talking about. Just yeah, the... I kind of missed it a little bit, honestly, which was weird. And I watched these movies back to back. I mean, I watched the first one, took a five minute pee break, and then went and watched the second <laughs> one. I was, I was, I, I didn't make sure you locked your stall. 
Well, I, yeah, I couldn't. I watched this at home. I watched these at home. Um, I couldn't, or did some I? Teeth, some I teeth fall out from under the door. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, um, I mean, of course, I had the theme stuck in my head for about 24 hours afterwards. <laughs> oh, dude, I was I was walking around the halls of, of my college today uh, humming or whistling that, yeah. you know, the, the theme. Uh, throughout the halls so yeah i was just i could just tap because it's that that when the when that bass drum kind of kicks in it's that you know we call it four on the floor because it's just four beats on the kick drum i guess it'd be five on the floor because it's five four but um that's just that dump 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 i i i like that part but yeah i could have actually done a little bit more of the uh, uh of the original theme during uh during some of his stalkery uh, murder scenes you know so Okay. And by the way, you guys said you felt bad for the for the boy. I don't really feel all that bad for the. Oh, but he's a kid, dude. He's a kid. He's a dancer. All he wants to do is dance. Yeah, that's right. Like, girl just broke up with his best friend, and he's a little drunk. And I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying he deserved to die. I'm just saying he. Oh, sucked. that boy. That oh, you're talking about the older boy. I thought you meant about the the kid the in the truck. Kid. The kid. No, 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 you're no. talking about the de- the kid in the devil outfit. In the devil outfit. Yeah, yeah, the dude that was trying to hit on the the, yeah. the, okay, the yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The boyfriend sucked too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, what definitely. Why didn't he die? He's a douchebag. It's explained oh. in the in the next one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a, well, there's the, a... here's the thing in the trailer for the new one he, he the, the boyfriend's back in there so and he's like he's got like a shotgun going after michael so sam there's your shotgun <laughs> there we go yeah well yeah and the and the girlfriend should still or granddaughter or how you want to reference her she should still beat the crap out of him because cell phones are expensive in 2013 uh, 2018 yeah, and seriously. he threw it in like so a punch bowl or Something. It was, it was nacho cheese. Yep. You don't throw. Yeah, you don't. You don't put a phone in nacho cheese. What? No. Rice can't even cure that. <laughs> All of the chips in the world is not going to cure that. I, that so much. Oh my god. This little silicone packet. Wow. <laughs> if, if you know, what I'm saying like you and I, we have daughters. If. Yeah. if if one of them came home one day and was like, well, I broke up my boyfriend, but he threw my phone in the cheese. <laughs> like, then we're going to go get a thousand dollars from your, your ex-boyfriend because those phones. Yeah. Or, or I'm going to get a five gallon bucket of cheese and dump it on, on him or on, on his car, in his car or something. I mean, in the summertime. Yeah. In the summertime. Where it just bakes on his car. <laughs> All right, Leslie. Wait, wait till he goes on vacation and then go do it. <laughs> wait till he goes on vacation. Uh-huh. Wow! Take a bunch of bologna and put it on the side no. of the car. Let it heat yeah. up. When, with, when like, you have dots. when you have daughters, you, you dream up very fun, um, you know, <laughs> how to to off that not you know ex boyfriends. Yeah. yeah, in the uh, what's it called the the windshield wiper reservoir. Oh, <laughs> nice! <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> All right, sorry, Chris, derailed you. No, 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 you're yeah, fine. You're yeah, fine. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's completely fine. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> now that's all I got in my head now. <laughs> yeah. To the reservoir. Yeah, that'd be you great. Turned, yeah, you turned the windshield wipers on. What is this smearing across my yeah, windshield? Yeah. <laughs> Just bring some tortillas with you. Or, you yeah, know, it was soon, as soon as you and... hit the windshield wiper, all you hear is... <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like, oh, what is that? <laughs> my fluid must have gone bad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! Uh, I've got perfect. A I've got a headache from laughing. 
guys did like silly nicknames for for your episodes like we do you, you have you know, cheese in the in the reservoir i think would have to <laughs> that's gonna be in, that's gonna be in the show notes nacho cheese <laughs> nacho cheese reservoir <laughs> so leslie well, what do you think could have been done differently I think that they could have added a little bit more suspense in some of the spots. Yeah, the music was great. It was over the top. But that old school suspense was not there. You you didn't feel it. You didn't feel the tension in some places that I felt like you could have. Um, so that's what I would have done differently. Let's try to I think you, And that. I think you're spot on, too, by the way, because it, it, it traded shock value for the, the thriller or for mm-hmm. the uh, suspense. Definitely. Yeah, and, you know, not to change anything again, I, I completely agree with Sean and Leslie and Sam. You know, there should have been some more suspense. There, you know, the theme should have come back some more than it did. Because when it did come back, it was great. It You know, it reminded you, it, it harkened back to the original, but then it, it was not there that much. And that's when it loses the, the Jaws effect. You know, when you hear yeah. the theme, you think something's fixing to happen. You didn't have a lot of those moments in this film. There were, you know, that that theme was not there to remind you, hey, something's fixing to happen. You know, oh, Michael's fixing to go kill somebody because Sam, you talked about the the whole sequence where the woman died and that was the theme was playing the entire time. You know that it gave you that Jaws effect. It it drove home the, you know, suspense. It, it lets you know, like, hey, you know, this is this is a terrifying moment. Mm-hmm. But then there's a lot of moments in there where it's just you have a generic score and a lot of noise, and it just kind of loses that. And, yeah, so I, I agree. It was a great score to listen to on its own. But against the film, they, they could have brought a little bit more suspense and a little bit more of the theme in there, in my opinion. In a little bit of fairness, too, and I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think in order to add suspense in the in the score – we need to change the movie a little bit because Michael Myers, 1978, he's not just a killing machine. He's right. methodical. He's creepy. He's stalkery. He's a showman, right? Cause it, it's not just the fact that he has to show Jamie Lee Curtis that he killed her friends. He has to get his, um, tombs, his sister's tombstone and then set it up in this, like, you know what I'm saying? Like he right. banks, the thing, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. It's a very elaborate thing. Whereas in this movie, he's just a shark, right? He's just killing the thing, right? He, right. There's mm-hmm. a person. I kill that person. Oh, I need a hammer. This hammer is too clean. I must use it. You know, like <laughs> there's a lot of people that he kills that are kind of for no reason. Right. Other than he just wants because, to. Just because he needs to do something, right? He has nothing to do. Therefore, I don't know where Jamie Lee Curtis is. So I'm going to go kill these other people so I can kickstart some stuff, I guess. I don't know. So th- this movie has less suspense in that aspect. So I think if you add thematically, musically, some suspense, we're going to need to change a little bit of the movie to fit the suspense. Because, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's not a lot of those moments of, of suspense. You know, I, and I totally agree. Um, you don't see that suspense. The only thing that you see that really is psychologically suspenseful is... The you know um, Lori's character themselves herself, that's to me the only kind of psychological element you see in this movie because then when you see Michael Myers, it's just stabby stabby killy killy. You know he goes through killing everybody instead of making a production out of it, as you said, Sean. So I, I totally agree. Yeah, and I completely agree too. I mean, definitely, one hundred percent. 
So the last score that we had, uh, last, sorry, last <laughs> score, last note or question we have is, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, which score in your opinion is more suspenseful, the 1978 or the 2018? I'm going with the 1978. Now, although there should have been more var- variety, I think it adds a lot more suspense to the scenes compared to the 2018 score. Leslie? No, I totally agree. But uh, for the 2018 film to be more suspenseful, you know, I'm going to piggyback on what Sean just said. The movie element there would have to be just a little bit different, too. I mean, he did a great job with what he was given. uh, But I think that the uh, 78 version is more suspenseful. Guys? Sam? Oh, okay. I was, I was going to actually <laughs> let you go first. Um, I, I, it's it's hard. You know, the, the 78 is obviously the most suspenseful one, but the, the one I'd want to listen to would be the new one. Um, uh, for its purpose, the 78 version is perfectly aligned with the movie. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, for the question itself, yes, 78 is the is the one. Yeah, I, the only thing I would uh, add, because I think we're all pretty much unison there, is that the 71 is, 78 one is more suspenseful. I think the 18 one is done um, musically is a little bit better. Uh, I You didn't ask this question, but I'm going to offer it anyway. I like the 2018 movie better than the, the, the 78 movie. And I know mm-hmm. it's blasphemous, but... I say things like that all the time on the podcast, so I don't really. <laughs> and you know, I, I'm going to completely agree with you. I, even though I really like the '78 version, I think I like the 2018 version a little bit more, um, simply because I, I, you know, I think it's faster paced and everything else. There is a friend of mine who's also a big Halloween fan and also made his own Halloween fan films. Who is going to be completely mad at me when he listens to this episode, <laughs> but I don't care. I, this is my opinion. We've said this on our very first episode, uh, that this is just our opinions. If you don't like it, then yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So guys, thank you so much for coming on to the show. It's been a total blast having you on and thank you for, I know you guys are not big horror fans, but in during these two <laughs> horror films and, and talking the score with us. Thank you so much for having us. You, you might have converted me. I, I don't know. I, I, I really, en- I really enjoyed this, the, the newer one. And if, if more are like this, you know, I love the conjuring last time I saw it, uh, you know, I, maybe I'm, I'm slowly turning more into a, a, a horror fan. Okay. I don't know. Well, we can, thanks for having us. This has been a blast. Yeah. And definitely, Sam, I'll, I'll definitely say that we, we can add, you know, like Halloween 2 onto our list uh, of things to do. Because <laughs> yeah. I, not, and I mean this sincerely. I think the second Halloween movie is it's just the continuation of the first one. I, I It feels it just feels like it's a because it's like the same night. Anyway, it, it is. Uh, yeah, it literally is. Um, and, and that's the tagline, more of the night that he came home. <laughs> well, no, it, thank it, you for having us. I have to say this. I am uh, contractually obligated to say this, that this <laughs> have uh, a Star Trek connection. Um, oh, Lord. It's the most, you know, widely known secret in Hollywood that the Mike Myers mask is, in fact, a William Shatner mask. Yes, yes, yes. It's, uh, everyone knows that, but it's the closest thing I can find to a Star Trek connection. <laughs> uh, 
what? I didn't know this, and this is amazing. Guys, I, 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 I was blown away. I don't know if you saw me about an hour ago, like just raise my hand in disbelief. So I'm looking at the cast and the shape, uh, the, the, the guy, the shape. Where is he? James Jude, I just James Jude Courtney is uh, Nick Nick oh, Castle. Yeah, Nick Castle, yeah, yeah. That that was the original Michael Myers. The original yeah, the shape. original Michael Myers, who was uh, the shape. He is uh, also a director of such movies as The Last Starfighter. He directed <laughs> The Last Starfighter, guys. Holy cow. Yeah, like, Michael Myers directed The Last Starfighter. One of my favorite movies of all time. I, this is amazing. To me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Obviously, you can I, tell. <laughs> He also, he also directed Dennis the Menace. Yeah. And oh, he dear. directed Major Pain. Yeah. <laughs> Let me take your mind off that pain. Can we go finger? How are you, boy? I just I love it. He's he's great. He was also he also wrote the screenplay screenplay for August Rush, which is a great film. Wow, I did yeah. not know that one. Very talented. And he wrote Escape from L.A. Oh, sorry, Escape from New York, the, the good one. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, we don't mention Escape from L.A. That movie didn't happen. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. I saw it I saw it first, and we, we've done it on the podcast. I saw yeah, it first. Yeah, and that's like, not good. I thought that I liked it better. I, <laughs> no. They're both kind of bad, but they're fun in their own ways. Um, yeah. And the last thing I, I do, I will mention uh, the director of this film, is also directing a new Exorcist movie, which is going to be a direct sequel to the original Exorcist. Yep. So, and he's also directing a new version of The Thing, which I believe John Carpenter is supposed to be Ooh. producing as well. Uh, it's not announced on IMDb, but I believe you. Uh, he's directing a new Hellraiser series. Yep. Uh, then an Exorcist, and then the two other Halloween kills, Halloween ends. Uh, he also did an episode of something called The Sex Lives of College Girls, so good for him. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> so, again, guys, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We really, really enjoyed having you on here. And also, uh, listeners, if you're listening and you want to listen to Cheap Seat Reviews, please, by all means, do so. And, Sean, where can we, our listeners find you? We're on all the, the major podcatchers, except Spotify. We have various reasons why we're not on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, libsyncom L-I-B-S-Y-N. That's our website. Uh, there you can go listen to all 360 other episodes that we've done, uh, including Ready Player One. And, uh, yeah. By the way, it is cheap seat as one word. That yes. is something yeah. you got to make sure you do. Yeah. And also, like they talked about before, they've got tons of merchandise, that, and you can find them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, I, that's where I talk to Sean a lot is on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Um, also, you can find us on pretty much every platform as well. And also, we starting now, I have another podcast as well called Real Gamers. I started with a two other friends of mine. It is available now. It's on Spotify. It's through Anchor and everything else. It's it's a fun podcast. Completely different than measuring those scores. So, guys, if you're listening to this, go check this out. It's called Real Gamers, and it's R-E-E-L, as in film, real. There's a reason for that. We cover movies and then the games that are based off of movies or the other way around. So, well, <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. I liked it. Um, 
So I guess that's pretty much it. Guys, have you got anything else you want to add before we wrap this all up? No. I have nothing more to say other than this <laughs> and uh, go watch Michael Myers kill some more people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll work. So for measuring the score, I'm Chris. And I'm Leslie. Have a good one. Hey, everyone, before we completely close this episode out, real quick, October 29th, we'll be joining Cheap Seat Reviews over on their channel for Halloween Kills. That's right. A lot of the questions we have for Halloween 2018, we might get some answers for Halloween Kills. <laughs> so, guys, seriously, go check this out. It's going to be a lot of fun because I can't wait to hear the score for Halloween Kills. I am actually excited for this film, so it's going to be great. Remember, October 29th over on Cheap Seat Reviews. So, since this is the Halloween month, stay scared, be frightened, and have a good one.